put on here, man. Make sure we both consent. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> I can just leave meeting. Right. <laughs> I they're recording with me. <laughs> That's funny. All right, man. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners, dude, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hey, listeners. What's up? I'm Kyle Gordon. Um, I'm an actor and I'm a human being. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no, I come from Arizona. Uh, I'm Wallapai. I'm from Tribe uh, Wallapai. We're from Northern Arizona, like Grand Canyon area. So yeah, that's that's me. Hey, that's that, in a nutshell, man. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. You were a, you were born in Germany though, right? Yeah, yeah. I was born there because my uh, my family was like out there. My dad was stationed out there when he was working oh, for the CIA. So um, that was right, like at the end of the Cold War. So um, he was working on, you know, West Berlin side and um, trying to gather intel to, you know, use whatever we could to end the war. Um, And then it finally did. And, you know, he was, they were all there. I actually have a video of them at the Berlin Wall, like taking a hammer and chisel, just chiseling away. at it. We have pieces of it still. No way. Uh, It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so I was in my mom's stomach at the time. <laughs> and then four months later, uh, I came out in, uh, in Berlin and um, I was there for like a couple months and then flew back to the States because, you know, my dad had no reason to be there anymore. The job's done. Um, and so we went to Falls Church, Virginia. I think that's the town, uh, you know, because that's where they were living because it's close to Langley and all that. Yeah. Um, and so he was going to get another job, go to, um, I think, be a, a station chief in Rome. And my mom was like, I'm going back to the res. I'm going to take the kids. And he's like, oh, OK, well, uh, I'll quit my job then and move back with you guys. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's how I started living on the res yeah. um, when I was probably three because I think my earliest memories was there in Falls Church. We lived in this like big, like three-story house with like uh, this basement, and the basement was just filled with our toys, like Legos, Ninja Turtles, GI Joes, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, and um, our imaginations. I remember it was like it was right next to this creek um, that would, like freeze over in the winters. Uh, so that was like probably my first memories ever. And then we moved to the res, and it was like complete departure from that, right? Like. Moving oh, to yeah. like a, I think it was like a, maybe a four bedroom home. And there's eight of us at this point because uh, my sister, my youngest sister was born in Virginia uh, in 92. Um, and then, yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up over there. Holy crap, man. Well, I mean, with uh, all that history in your family, did you ever consider, you know, joining the services when you got it? I move? did, dude. I was yeah. like, oh, I could do everything my dad did, you know. I was like, <laughs> if I don't figure out what I want to do, I'll either be like a cop, a CIA agent, or like go into politics or something. <laughs> or um, at one point, I wanted to be like a stockbroker. <laughs> no. I was, yeah, I don't know what it was, <laughs> dude. I was like, I don't know. I grew up ultra like Mormon and conservative. So mm-hmm. I was like, the, the, those are like the options for me like what my dad was like trying to instill in in us. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you still hang on to some of those, those values now? I mean, even in the arts industry, which I know is a complete 
left turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have a set of, of like moral, you know, like a moral code, right? Yeah. And have those values to, I mean, I believe in the golden rule. You just treat others like how you want to be treated. So that's yeah. my philosophy of life. You just, you know, try to be a good human being to everybody. And sadly, a lot of people um, don't, don't see it that way on on that side so i'm like i i've i've had such a departure departure from there like when i started acting like i think that's when it first started because like i became my own person you know when i'm my own journey because like before that i was just like in a bubble of their making you know yeah uh, like growing up on the res like everybody there like they were visited upon by missionaries you know so uh, basically, everybody in my tribe is an enrolled member in the LDS church, and we have a church out there, and um, so grew up in that. And uh, my dad actually was was Jewish before he converted to Mormonism uh, at 13, when um, a friend of his, while he was going to school in St. Petersburg, um, Florida, uh, asked him to go to church, and he like fell in love with it, I guess. Um, and then his parents converted. And then he went to BYU in Utah and met my mom there. And then I guess the rest of history, they, they, you know, found love and had my oldest brother, Sean, there in Provo. Uh, and then, yeah, just kept going down the line. Like for the next 10 years or 11 years, my mom was just like pregnant, churning out kids and had eight of them. So it's pretty wild. <laughs> Oh my, bless her for doing that, man. I couldn't imagine I 10 years. I, I have one kid. I'm like, what? <laughs> no wonder it didn't work out for all of us. In the end. <laughs> oh, this is chaos. It was just yeah. chaos day in and day out, but yeah. it, it was fine. Um, you know, it was nice though, being on the rest because you can just like run out into your backyard and there's the Grand Canyon. And you're just like running around, like oh, jumping man. over rattlesnakes and, and playing with pine cones. <laughs> Uh, and going down into the, um, we'd go down this Diamond Creek that leads open to the mouth of uh, of a uh, Colorado River, right? So yeah. that would basically be our little pool. <laughs> like, <laughs> but don't go out too far because then the rapids just take you away from that. Um, but yeah, that's is a crazy time. Like, I could still remember the smell, like being down. You smell the mud, like yeah. little little tadpool ponds and you're like oh this is so fun being a kid and just like rolling around in the mud uh and then like playing like make-believe out there in the woods you know just like making yeah. forts or whatever and like playing house <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well it's a great space for that like growing imagination we have as your i guess boundless imagination we have as kids you know to even mm-hmm. go into from like from playing house and pretend to you know faking like battles or like ufo takeover yeah. something crazy. you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah, just yeah. something weird but like when when did you like start to think oh maybe i can like do this do what they do on like tv or you know if you see a movie like well, when did that happen for you i mean crazy because my whole life i didn't think it could you know like you go and you pretend and you're like with your family and you're like you have a camcorder you're just like shooting sketches or whatnot making these like ridiculous things that never really go anywhere and like i would like tell stories with like my toys basically like have my gi joes and like have them play out and like because it's great terrain to be out there making battles with yeah. cobra versus gi joe and then like <laughs> when uh, i think 
in the like 97 when like the power or like 95 even i think power of the force came out like the star wars toys so like we started getting all those for christmas so like i'd like oh i got the gi joe's and star wars and, like just make these battles together like create these crazy timelines um so yeah i just never thought it would happen for me right like kid growing up on the res you're like oh this isn't for us there's nobody that does it that looks like me or anything like the only people we had like were in like these old movies you know um yeah. that were just like these leather feathers it's like graham green playing in like uh dances with wolves you know and like west duty and adam beach with smoke signals finally like 98 yeah. and so i was like well this could actually be and my mom started like getting into it in the 90s like she'd go to hollywood and uh she'd audition for things and then she'd get like extra roles in like mars attacks or like lethal weapon and uh so I was like, oh, that's cool. So you can do it, but I guess not on like a, a big scale or something. But I guess it just, people weren't ready for it. Or I don't know, um, you know, because yeah. it's like there's gatekeepers and everything. Um, but I think it was finally where it became uh, something on the horizon to do was like in high school, right? You know, it was like theater. And I'm like, oh, I'll take a, I'll take a class um and so i did and i ended up getting a c and i was like oh i because i didn't really do like the written work you know that you're supposed to you're supposed to do like a final and like write yeah what you learned in the class i'm like i don't like doing that so <laughs> yeah but i could perform and all that but, <laughs> but that was it and so i just stopped i was like oh this, i guess i just this isn't my route so i was like became like a burnout and just hung, hung out with my friends all day and didn't do much we're like oh let's start a band or something uh but so here's the story I um where it really kind of transitioned. I was living with my dad. My parents separated when I was 11. And um uh he was away in Iraq, I guess, uh training the Iraqi police, like with like military training or something. Um, working under like as a private contractor. And um uh, so I threw a party while he was away at his house in high school and um like i don't know everybody heard heard about it right so everybody invited their friends and then everybody outside of school started inviting their friends and they started people started hearing about it and then uh, eventually like these i guess local gangs started hearing about it so they was like oh there's we were about this party let's go do it so just like it was supposed to be like a triple kegger but we ended up only getting one keg um and you know i'm more and i didn't drink at the time I, I just wanted to facilitate a, a fun time for people and have a good time with my friends. I didn't think it would be as big as it was. And uh, I remember when the first people were trickling in, there's like maybe 30 of us, right? And my friend brings over the keg because he he got the hookup. Um, uh, and then my sister comes over and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, hey, I didn't know. Why, why are you here? Uh, she's like, you, you can't have this party. You got to stop this. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the bishop because like you know mormon right we're like in a little mormon town in mesa arizona after i left the res um when i was about eight uh so we moved to kingman to phoenix uh because my dad wanted us to go to better schools and he got a job at the capitol um being a representative at the time uh so fast forward back to 2008 i believe when i had this party was it 2008 <laughs> yeah yeah i think it was <laughs> um holy crap 
Yeah, it was. It was. So, uh, so yeah, she, she calls the bishop and he comes over. He's like, you got to shut this down or I'm going to call the cops and all this stuff. I'm like, please don't. And I, I don't know what to do. There's already too many people here now. Now there's like a hundred people and you're like, um, they're not going to listen to me. I don't know half these people. Uh, you know, half of them are from even my school. They're just randoms. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is too big now. I can't. So maybe you could call the cops. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll shut it down. And then they left. Um, but then by this point, my sister's like, all right, I'll just stay and make sure they don't fucking burn down the house. Sorry, excuse my language, but. <laughs> no, go, yeah, that's fine, man. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, ended up being like maybe 250 people finally show up and I'm just like okay whatever I'm just gonna hang out in my room now because people are just being rambunctious and there's like people trying to like dry hump each other in the living room I'm like oh. dude this is so out of hand and I can't be like hey party's over guys I'm like a little shrimp dude like I'm 17 maybe 18 at this point actually no no 17 so I go into my room <laughs> and uh, I'm just like hanging out with a handful of my close friends, smoking weed, whatever. Um, and I remember hearing like, I don't know, somebody's like, oh, hey, somebody's knocking on the door and I don't know why they're not just coming in. So they're like, somebody opens the door and it's the cops and they just like come in, right? And they're like raiding the place. It's like gang enforcement uh, cops. So because they heard that there was like gangs going on or something. They thought it was like some crazy thing. And uh, of course the, the bishop fucking did it. Um, and so I'm in my room like, all right, everybody shut up. Maybe they won't come in here. <laughs> and like I lock my door <laughs> and you just hear people like, oh my God, it's cops. And like runners just mad dash to get over the walls and stuff, you know, run out. <laughs> people go into the bathroom flushing their drugs or whatever. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, holy crap, man, this is crazy. So I'm like, just close the door. I'm like, and then people are coming like, let me in, let me in. I'm like, okay, let some people in. And I'm like, all right, we got to be quiet, turn off the lights. And so they're like going throughout the house. And um, they ended up uh, going through the house, you know, and, and, and coming to my room. And they're like trying to open the door. It's locked and they're like about to bust it down. So somebody opens it and they just come out. And I lay on my bed and like pretend like I'm sleeping. Oh and they come God. in, open the lights. Like, some dude, they're like long rifles, like poke me. They're like, hey, get up, get up. I'm like, oh, oh what's up? He's like, who are you? Is this your place? I'm like, yeah, it's me and my my dad's place. He's like, okay, what's your name? How old are you? All this stuff. And I told him, and uh, they're like, so what did your dad do? Where's your dad? I'm like, oh, he's in Iraq. He's like, you're going to pull this shit while your dad's fighting for your country? I'm like, don't give me this. Uh, <laughs> I'm a kid, dude. Um, so we like go, like bring us, they usher us in like my big like living room area. And we're all sitting down. Some people are wearing zip ties, <laughs> like cuffed. And then they oh, start man. breathalyzing everybody, making sure everybody's of age and like giving out MICs, uh, minor consumption, you know, uh, for like the the young people. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't drink. Um, and uh, yeah, so they just had like the freaking breathalyzers and like pop it in each time doing these kids, pop it out and just throwing in the trash on the ground. And um, and then kids start asking to go to the bathroom to flush their drugs, I guess. And uh, so they do that, and, <laughs> and like cops would like watch them in the door. Um, and it was just so bizarre. But anyways, um, so that happened. It ended, busted up, and um, so a bunch of people just like left, and the cops were just sitting there talking to me, you know, reaming me out, and 
they like there was like one dude left behind and I, I guess he was in like a gang or something but I don't know why he was like just allowed to just stay there but he's like hey man or the cops were like okay have a good night and uh, clean all this mess up and don't do this again or something and like okay uh, and then the guy that was hanging back he was like hey man that was really messed up that was really cool thank you uh, for having us I'll help you clean up a bit and so we're like going around cleaning up all that trash and like whatever and we're going around like find little baggies of like drugs <laughs> like what the <laughs> hell is this crazy dude I'm like wow people just throwing it yeah left and right you know and uh, cops didn't really search the house or anything um so that happened and then everybody knew about it right and so my mom's like hey your you, dad isn't around much and he can't really look after you so you should probably come move with me and it was like a 45 minute ride up north to cape creek arizona and uh in her church the the ward she's in um the writer of twilight stephanie meyer ended up like going to that church and so i had to go to church every sunday with them you know and um going to Sunday school after we take the sacrament, she was the teacher there. And so, you know, a couple months into it, like the first Twilight was like coming out the movie mm. and then they were just casting for the second one. So she's like, Hey, um, they're casting for the, the second book um, being adapted in the movie and you should totally go audition for one of the wolves. Um, you know? And I was like, Oh, what? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's crazy. And I really started thinking, like, whoa, what if I could do this, you know, and this could change my life forever mm-hmm. and for the better, you know, because I didn't have any real direction in life. And so, you know, my mom gets me like an acting coach and get the sides or whatever. Because it's like an open casting call. It's a big, big thing. You're trying to find the wolf pack, right? And yeah. So in the US and in Canada, they were just like put out a, a summons basically <laughs> say like, hey <laughs> come and uh see if you're right for this so every every native person every indigenous person went out for for all the roles and um it, they had one in phoenix and then one in, in canada and so me and uh me and alex Mraz, who ended up being in the, the movie as well we went and auditioned and that was that was a trip like i was just you know, I just like try to memorize these lines. I'm like, oh my God, how do people do this? And um, I just like sit there and like listen to my headphones and listen to my like favorite band, uh, Circus Survive, while getting into it. And then my mom and my sister like, you need to stop. You need to focus. You need to read your lines. And like, what do you mean? I'm trying to calm down and like listen to music. <laughs> like, get out of here. Don't put any more pressure on me. Um, so we go in and I'm like waiting. There's like a hundred people waiting to be seen. And I'm like, it's like whittling down, whittling down. And I'm like waiting. And it finally gets to me. And um, I go in and I'm like, at the time I had really long hair. My hair's like down in my face, right? I'm like a senior in high school. And, uh, so I go in and we do a read. And they're like, hey, um, can you actually go to the bathroom and like just run some water through your hair and like push your hair back because we want to see your face. And I'm like, oh yeah, right, okay. So I did that and uh, come back in. Like you come back out and there's like people waiting. They're like, oh, uh, how how'd it go? I'm like, I actually have to just go to the bathroom real quick and go back in. Um, and yeah, and then they were like showing me like um, auditions of this one dude to like 
let to like show me how auditions are done or something almost like because you know this is my first audition ever and i was like oh wow thanks guys like thanks for taking the time to do this like that's crazy for like a casting director to do um but so i read for this role of uh paul right and um you know, I had to huff and puff and blow the house down. You know, like it was like a scene where I had to transform into wolf. I was like, I was like really getting into it. It's like just like screaming and like going big and acting like I was transforming into a werewolf. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. And then they had me read for another role for Embry and then for Quilatera. And it was just so such a trip. I was like, this is the auditioning process. This is scary as hell. And it's like it's not even like how it is. You know? It's not how yeah. it, it. I guess they're just seeing how comfortable and confident you are, or something. I don't know. So that happened, and you know they thanked me for my time, and then I left. And uh, it was it was down to me and and Alex were there in the room. He went in, and then he comes out. And my mom's like talking to him and stuff. Like if this, if if you guys get it, just I want you to take care of my boy. <laughs> and he's only like four years older than me or something. So so funny um no six maybe this was I was 18 he was 24 at the time I think and so then we go home you know that's that I'm like oh my god I wonder if it was any good or whatnot because they don't really like make you feel like that good about it but um so like it was December I think when I auditioned and then it's like Christmas goes by New Year's goes by and you're like huh are we supposed to hear back or something so I was just like whatever I guess I didn't do it my life's not changing whatever (laughs) I'll just start a band and just do that um then one day like four weeks later I was like you know playing on my xbox in my room my mom comes to guy I just got this email they want you to they want you for the part I'm like what no way they're like yeah Embry calls like wait Embry did I audition oh oh, yeah I think I did Embry what a weird name okay well that's crazy and I'm like my heart I'm like oh my god I'm gonna I want to be in a movie. That's so crazy. And it's like, and then Twilight just came out, you know, like, yeah. and it was huge. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to be big. Um, and so, yeah. So in March, go out to Vancouver. Well, first we had to fly to LA. Me and Alex together flew out of Phoenix to LA. And then we had to like go to these uh, big boy studios. I think it was, it's like Phil Tippett's studio. Uh, he did like Star Wars and Jurassic Park and stuff. Um, for like the animatronics and then he got into CGI after Jurassic Park because he knew that animatronics were like a dying thing right Uh, so we had to do like a whole body scan like a little Xerox copy of us because they're like oh we're gonna have you transform into worlds and stuff with this and also we'll probably make some toys I was like no way that'd be so safe be immortalized forever Um, so go there and then fly to Vancouver and then start doing prep work meet all the cast and the director and the producers and go to like dinners and stuff and then um do tests and then i had to do like a wig test and get that get like a ten thousand dollar wig made for me and i'm like i already have one here why do i need a wig and it was only for one freaking scene <laughs> so funny and it's my first scene too so it's like why don't you just have me have my long hair and then cut it but you know that's how not how movies work um so it's pretty funny um so yeah, they cut my hair and then I had to put the wig on. And it's like totally not my like real hair, right? And it does, my hair never looks like it's like super wavy and thicker than like my hair is super like straight and like thin. And, <laughs> you know, it's full, but like not so luscious like that. But yeah. it was so wild. Um, 
so yeah when we were doing testing like the director's like hey we're gonna we're gonna get you guys into some training um because uh, they looked at our our bodies you know and we weren't very sculpted so, <laughs> so they're like we're gonna get you into a training regimen so we had like two weeks of uh like a basically like a wolf boot camp <laughs> uh and uh, i think it's one of the guys that trained the spartans in 300 so Oh, we had to do that. Just, just very rigorous, intense training for two weeks straight. <laughs> and I was like, how is this even going to do anything? Um, and it did. Cause like, I was like one one forty, and you know, like no real meat on my bones. And I, I gained 10 pounds in those two weeks. So I was like, Oh, thank God. I at least have something to work with now. Um, so yeah, uh, we had to do that, and it was good. It's like a good bonding experience with the bros, you know, <laughs> like going around Vancouver together, just walking around, strutting our stuff, and then, uh, and then doing the doing the job. Yeah, so that's how it all started. And that's how it all became real for me. Um, so that's when I fell in love with it. I was like, this is what I'm gonna be doing for the rest of my life. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I, I love it. Well, it, and it's funny, you get every facet from every level of the acting experience, like the the cattle call, the mm-hmm. rough audition, and then them saying, oh, this is actually how it works. That never happens. So they obviously liked you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, hey, yeah, yeah. No, I, think, <laughs> I think having Stephanie Meyer in my, in my corner yeah. uh, probably helped a bit. I mean, she's like, she showed me the door and I'm like, all right, let me kick that door open. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll show up. I'll do my end of the park. I like this sick Boba Fett mug. Oh, dude, yeah, it's Is that a mug. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a, uh, it's a decorative mug, so I can't use it for anything. Ah, uh-huh, right. But I just put, but, I yeah, put my quarters in there when I'm. Oh, you know. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got this. So I went out to China, and uh, this company Pop Life, they they do all the the vinyl dolls, right? The pop. Oh yeah. Pop dolls. So, um, they invited me out there because they owned the rights to like Twilight, I guess, out in Asia. So they have all the pop dolls and stuff and they're having like their first ever um, like convention is ToyCon in China and it was like government run and all that stuff, right? And so we go out there, me and my buddy Bronson, who's from Twilight, um, and they took us to their headquarters and everything and they brought us to their like prototype room where like all these like painted, not not even painted. And it's like, it's like the first first rendition and, all, and they gave me like we had like you can pick two i was like okay and i saw this boba fett like, oh yeah it's like a bobblehead boba fett like jetpack boosters i was like this is sick i want to take this like wow that one's probably gonna be that's worth like five grand like, shut up like that's crazy and i still have it it's like in my daughter's room <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy yeah. well, dude that's i've always wondered like what it's like going through you know, a company that wants to use your scan as a toy, like how surreal and weird that must feel. But at the same time, you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an action figure, man. Like, yeah. This is I would rather, yeah. I'd rather be an action figure than like a, a pop doll, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that I wanted, uh, there's one point when I wanted to get into like the toy business too. And like, I kept looking up jobs from like Hasbro, like yeah, yeah. how to become like a toy creator or something. Uh, but yeah, a toy maker would be so sick. I mean, I grew up, that was my escape right just doing toys you know? oh yeah if because we only had like one tv so it's like if i can't watch tv watch my dragon ball z i can go over to my room just play with my toys and not worry about the chaos ensuing outside my door um so yeah <laughs> dude it well i have a question for you man like when it comes to just 
like you're going from not really knowing where you want to go to suddenly you're part of this big blockbuster franchise like yeah what were what did you do with yourself during that like that must have it must have felt like a dream in a way you know like it was, a fog. It was so surreal man it's like <laughs> you're like you know dream state it's yeah almost like you just completely go into a different life i don't know but this was when myspace was still a thing and so when they like first did like our promo shot like one of the first like wolfpack promo photos they put it out there it was like the shot heard around the world and then i started getting like a flood in my inbox and i was like oh my gosh before i never had like the time of day from anyone right and so exactly. immediately i was like oh my gosh people want to talk to me so i was like going and like read every freaking message and try to respond to every single one i was like okay now this is getting crazy oh buddy it's like good and bad too um but then i don't know it's like i was i just didn't know what to expect and so you know being in vancouver i started that's when i first started like really drinking for the first time with my because i'm like 19 turned 19 on set and uh you can drink there legally in vancouver and then like my buddies took me to my first like strip club and you know just walk <laughs> around like they're just like showing me like how the world is and, like this is the first time i ever left home really you know and then like get to like flex my wings so i was like just trying to do it all you know and, like going around like hitting up bars like talking to girls for the first time like and going with a bunch of my friends you know like the whole wolf back going out like oh we're gonna go talk to people and like just hey what's up we're here shooting a movie all this stuff you know like so so stupid but i mean yeah so it kind of like changed my whole perspective on life and outlook and made me think like oh well maybe my life growing up wasn't what i thought it was and maybe the things i was taught isn't so true you know so i started like questioning my whole existence and the whole upbringing i'm like well this is wild um uh, so it's like uh i don't know there's like this cognitive dissonance that kind of went on it was like i had to really struggle with like my identity and all this stuff um and so i kind of like had to find who i was and it, t- it took a minute you know i was like a dumb kid and i thought i just thought i had the world at my fingertips at that point and everything would just come so easy now uh because it was all so natural and organically how i just kind of fell into this and you know it's like a billion to one chance i don't know it's crazy um and you know i moved to la november 1st day after halloween 2009 after like i, I already filmed new moon and it's about to come out in like 20 days mm-hmm. and so i was still in like joker makeup and i wake up and like I want to move to LA. It's time to get out of the nest. You know, I was like living with my mom still uh, and her husband. And so my brother's like, oh yeah, I'll go with you. I was like, okay. And I just bought this car, this Mazda a protege 1996 for like a grand yeah. <laughs> in cash, you know, <laughs> it was like a five speed too. So just went out, drove out, head straight to Santa Monica Pier. And then we got out and we're like, we made it. Now what? Oh, we should probably find lodging, huh? So we like pick up like a a newspaper, like, oh, this is how you find <laughs> rentals back in 2009, right? <laughs> because we didn't have really like internet. I didn't have like a, a smartphone really. Mm. Um, I had like a, a pay-as-you-go phone. So yeah, 
uh, and then uh, so we look in the the ads and we find like this two bedroom furnished uh, you know all all utilities included. I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, it's eighteen fifty a month. Is that a lot? I don't know. So <laughs> uh, we just went we went there because like first time venturing out on my own, you know, and paying for my own place. So we met up with the the building manager and he's like, all right, man, this is this. I said, all right, you guys can move in tonight. I'm like, oh wow, that's so. How does this what? No credit check or anything, you know. Now you have to do all that to go to all these hoop cities and get into a place. It's crazy now, but yeah. So I don't know how that worked out the first day. Get our own. We didn't have to stay at a hotel or anything. First night, and yeah. it's already furnished. So you're like, oh, we don't have to do anything. Just buy like I'll go buy a PS3 real quick and get hooked that up to the TV, you know, <laughs> and then have fun. Uh, and then, and then I met this dude who was like being my like everyday like go man you know he's just like kind of my publicist and also my assistant and just like did everything to try to get me like out there in hollywood you know and so i did that for a minute and just kind of you know it was just it's so weird and then like my friends from back home who i haven't talked to since high school um because we all like kind of split up after i moved to my mom's um they like hit me up and i was like hey you guys want to like move out here with me and uh like start a band uh, we could do that and like i'll go out on auditions and, like whatever people offer me whatever i want right <laughs> i'm like this is easy and then i started doing like these twilight conventions getting paid fat for that like every weekend i'd be going away and i was like oh I can, this will pay for my whole life all the time um so it's uh, so i moved into westchester there right by lax so it was like so close just jump on play and go to these different cities and do these conventions come back and like hang with the bros right um and then eventually i had to kick my brother out because like we had this this fight and i was like dude just go back to arizona you're not gonna do well here you're like, fucking with my my career basically all this stuff like we're just not doing good um so he went back and then i had my friends like ended up turning into like five other dudes living with me in this two-bedroom apartment and we would just like be partying all night and <laughs> eventually the building manager is like hey i got another spot down the way same thing um but more secluded and not as noisy for your neighbors i was like okay cool yeah let's do that so we moved down the street and um that's we had like our own little tiny garage like that's where we started a garage band in there and my buddy had this iMac and so we'd like record like rough demos on there for our songs and stuff mm. and we called ourselves touche <laughs> and so it's like this was my life now just waking up with my homies and making music and partying and then doing conventions and going out on auditions and not booking anything because i didn't care about any of the material i was going out like on disney and like nickelodeon i was like i don't want to do this so i'd like be late to freaking auditions and stuff and not I, I wouldn't take it as serious because I was like, oh, this, the world's my oyster, right? And they, they, they're lucky that I'm even coming to say hi. Uh, and I wouldn't, like, take the time to actually, like, do well with the line readings and stuff. So I just, like, I almost, like, kind of bit it and, and lost out on countless things, you know? Because um, I wanted to do more, like, gritty work and it wasn't coming. And, like, I had this manager at the time. Uh, he repped, like, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Cal Penn, and um, anyone else? 
wow. Adam Beach. He's like, oh, you're the new Adam Beach. Let's sign you or whatever. Um, but he turned out to be a real scumbag. And uh, he, he took me out to like my first agency meeting, which was with CAA, which is Creative Artists Agency, which is like the big, huge agency yeah, out here. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't vibing and I was so green and I didn't really like know how to talk to people. You know, it was like, what do you talk to? Like these people wearing suits. You're like, uh, am I allowed to just be myself, or do I have to be like super professional? And, like, be like, oh no, am I the business side of this, or am I the creative side? Am I, I guess that's what the manager's for. I don't know. There's, I'm so new to all this. Um, but so I ended up not working out with them. Then we met with like APA, so I signed with them finally, and with them for like maybe a year, and then my manager dropped me because I wasn't booking, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then my agent, like, I don't know, he ended up doing some shady stuff because I had my buddy Bill come out and I was like, hey, could you like, you know, show him the ropes? Because he kind of wants to be an actor too and he's really good. Uh, he has a good like emotional depth to him, good soul. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And so he started living with the dude and then the dude started like, like making these like sexual advances on him. He's like, dude, I don't want that. Can you please stop? And he just kept doing it day to day. I'm like, dude. I keep hearing like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's no, I don't, I don't play like that. I'm not going to try to be like all predatory with my friend there. Like, no, I don't want to work with somebody like that. So I dropped him, yeah. um, which is great. But like at the same time now I'm like, I don't have reps or anything. So I'm like even more in the hole. It's like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my acting career. Um, but I really should have just outed him at that point. Cause this guy ended up getting outed years later by a, uh, I think Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Oh, I know who you're Dude, talking about. Uh, Tyler oh, Gresham. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh my God. Like, I should have done it then because then he wouldn't have done it to these other kids. Yeah. So messed up, man. Oh, um, but yeah, so I had to deal with that. And um, and then the band kind of like fell apart because we kind of got um, screwed over. Um, we were conned basically. Um, long story short, we like, tried to get on warp tour and this dude kept saying he was like a manager at interscope and all this stuff and he could get us on there and we're like oh it's sick dude so we believed him we're like went out and was like yeah we just got to catch up to the tour I'm like, huh okay i don't know how any of this works it all sounds way too good to be true right with all these red flags and i just didn't want to believe it we we're like kids we're like we want this to be a thing uh so we ended up going to indiana and I ended up spending all my money already. And I'm like, what the, f-? like, you guys, you said you're going to give us like a $10,000 advance. And I'm like putting the bill for everything. And, uh, you know, my friends didn't have jobs. So like I paid for everything and I just bought the new equipment, new instruments and all this stuff. And then this dude's like saying, oh, Interscope will provide you guys with all new gear and stuff too. And we'll get you like in-ears and like new mics, all this stuff, new amps. I'm like, well, that's it. Let's do it. He's like, yeah, we'll get like the private jet to like send send some equipment out huh i don't know it's like so weird i'm like no this this has to be true right and so we're just like hauled up in this uh hotel and we keep missing the tour right like so convenient um and then and it was my girlfriend's birthday at the time and i was like i gotta get out of here guys i have no money i gotta go to my my girlfriend's birthday uh and it was just madness. And so this dude's like, okay, I'll get the, the private jet to swing by and pick you up and take you to LA. I'm like, okay, cool. Can you guys drive my car back? Because <laughs> I'm like, I was driving this Nissan Armada with all of us and we had a U-Haul full of our equipment, right? And um, 
Yeah, no. So he took us to the airport, drops us off, or me and my buddy Luke and his girlfriend was like, oh, we want to go back too. And then I left the the car with him. This dude, Robert Bramlin, a piece of crap, just comment. And there's like a whole Facebook page with him where he's done this to so many people that they've no. made a Facebook page about it. Um, but uh, so yeah, he turned out to just be a real shyster. And uh, so I left my my other friends there, other bandmates, just high and dry at this hotel, right? And the dude hasn't picked up his phone. He hasn't gone back to the hotel and. He's like, the pilot's going to meet you guys curbside. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? what? I was like, I've never done like a private jet, so I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, okay, so just wait there. Like, where's this guy? We're like calling him, calling him. I'm like, no answer, no answer. I'm like, no, no, dude, this is not happening. Like the car, like he has my car, my, all the gear. And so I call up my friends at the hotel. And I'm like, guys, this is the car downstairs. Where's Robert? Uh, cause he just left us here and there's no pilot. There's nothing. He's not answering his phone. So they go downstairs, check and they're like, yeah, the car's out front. Uh, but the U-Haul is, uh, it's been open and all of our stuff is gone. I'm like, oh shit. So he just, God. yeah, he just freaking took us for a ride, man. And we were just too, you know, stupid to like, want to believe it. And um, so that was a huge, huge wake up call and a huge like lesson in life, you know, and it's, that's how I learned. It's just these rough lessons. So, yeah. um, so I ended up uh, still flying back home because I was like, all right, guys, I got to like reset. I got to like leave the band and all this stuff and like really focus on my acting career because that's really the only viable thing right now. And I have to really focus on that because, you know, the conventions started drying up more and more and mm. I wasn't making as much money and, you know, I would didn't have any jobs, you know, and like other than the twilight saga, like this was, and it was about to end, you know, there was like probably one more movie I had to do. And so I was like, I got to buckle down here and get serious. And so I had them drive my car back to Arizona. So they had that for a few weeks while I was in LA, just like kind of processing it all. And then, um, like broke up with my girlfriend and, ended up moving back out to Arizona and like that after that summer. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's do this. And then I was hit up the friends. I was like, Hey, do you think I can come back in the band? They're like, no, man, you left. Like we got our own thing now. So yeah, I was like, Oh, fine. all right, whatever. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll buckle down for real on this acting thing. So <laughs> ended up like booking an indie role uh, in Canada called the lesser blessed is based off this book. And, um, yeah, that's really how it kind of like turned around for me. And I just started really, really getting into the work and trying to be better at my craft and really carve out a path and a career for myself. And, you know, did that. And then a few years later did, um, this show called the red road on Sundance with, uh, Jason Momoa, you know, and, uh, Martin Henderson, Julian Nicholson, Tamara Tooney, Ali Gonino, all this great cast. Tom Sizemore was in it. And our director for the first episode is James Gray, which is a huge legend in our industry. Like director, oh, writer, who did uh, like We Own the Night, like one of my favorite movies uh, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Wahlberg, Robert Duvall, you know, and Eva Mendes. Um, and also he did like The Immigrant with, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and yeah. like Lost City of Z, Robert Pattinson and Charlie Hunnam. And so, yeah, 
that was like a huge thing. That was a turning point in my career, right? I'm like, oh, this is dope. I'm doing some like good drama with some heavy hitters. Aaron Guzikowski was the writer and showrunner. He did Prisoners and Contraband, you know, and he did Raised by Wolves, that HBO show. And so I was like, this is awesome. And I loved Prisoners. That was one of my favorites too. And so going on from there, uh, yeah, did two seasons of that. And then Momoa got Aquaman. He had to like leave the show. And then he started doing Frontier and then he brought that. And then he did that for a few. And then I did a couple of TV episodes here and there, a couple of indie movies here and there. And then, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Like when you're living it, you don't know how it's all going to turn out. But here yeah. it's like 13 years later. And I'm so freaking grateful to, to be here still and doing this. And it's like, I'm still going to be doing this till I die, you know, like, um, yeah. So here and there. And then uh, had a nice, a nice movie out in Canada, Blood Quantum, the zombie film. So dope. Um, premiered in Toronto and then it was supposed to go all across theaters in Canada and some in the U.S. even but uh, the pandemic happened uh, so yeah. it shut all that down I'm like no I was like <laughs> none of my movies get into theaters you know like last one was like Twilight so I was like dang it this was my chance to like get theater um, box office you know um, but then we did a deal with like Shutter, got on Shutter, and then that was great because that kind of like parlayed into to um like getting like roswell and stuff mm-hmm. did a couple episodes of roswell new mexico on cw and then we showed blood quantum right before the pandemic at uh this film festival indigenous film festival in pachanga and the moderator is chris Ayer. He did smoke signals right and uh, he also oh, did um so tony hillerman wrote all these books right that's where we get dark winds from uh, and he, he, he's been a part of that since the nineties with, uh, Robert Redford, cause Robert Redford had a, the rights in the eighties to make these films. So he, he did the first one, the dark wind with, uh, Philip or what's his name? Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. He played Chi, uh, Jim Chi, my character in dark winds. And, uh, so it's just crazy to like see that progression there. And then in 2000, I think they did a, a PBS, like mini series thing or they they did three episodes um with with west studi and adam beach playing joe lee porn and jim chi oh no way. so chris directed two of those and that's when i first went on a set and i met adam beach there because my mom like knew him and wes and chris so they filmed that in phoenix and like so i went on set and i met adam and you know he's playing chi at the time and we go to his like place he was staying at and we're like playing xbox playing some halo I'm like i don't even have an xbox this is dope um and so it's kind of weird to kind of have that full circle moment to like come years later like yeah. 20 years later to do it and step into those shoes um and chris directing again and producing and so he was there moderating um the the sh- screening of blood quantum in pachanga and he's like dude you fucking got it man like you have a lot of power that he had i'm like what elvis i'm like oh what <laughs> okay he's like yeah man you're the guy like you're a leading man you're a star you should be in my this show i'm developing with george R. R. martin i'm like huh what no that's like this isn't real <laughs> um so like you know we talked and and we ended up um 
you know, the pandemic happened. So it's like we would have calls and stuff. He's like, yeah, the writer's room wants to like chat with you, see what, what's what, and, you know, just get a get a feel for you. And, and this time I was working at um, my ex's um, dad has all these animal hospitals around L.A. So I got a job working there as like a vet tech um, just to like, you know, Damn, dude. stay afloat and not go insane because it's a pandemic. Right. And, yeah. you know, I need a job and uh, industry shut down. So like I need. I need to do something and like pay my rent and everything. So uh, I was doing that and it was really kind of hard to play like phone tag with these people like on, on dark winds. And then, so they're like developing with me in mind and like Zon was uh, attached to it all yeah. this time. They were going to do it with HBO, but then HBO passed. Cause it's like too much like true detective. Um, and then AMC jumped at it and that was amazing. Because, you know, having Robert Redford and George R. R. Martin and, all these great people attached to this project and then a few months go by and it's you know in 2001 uh and they're finally like opening up uh industry again and i just booked this role on reservation dogs which is great like i love that they're holding it down for comedy (laughs) for natives right representation on there so great and i'm I'm glad to be part of that do an episode of that and zon's on that show too uh freaking hilarious and uh <laughs> so i go out there i right before i go out there i have to do a, a self-tape for uh dark winds they like want me to read i'm like oh sweet this is that show they're talking about no way uh so i was so so i go to this place hot shot self-taping on ventura because they like make these beautiful self-tapes and it's like just pops you know good lighting yeah. good sound um and so it's just i use that every time just so just because every time i do i get callbacks so it's awesome. So I did that and I, I go out to Oklahoma to shoot this episode and I hit up Zon. I'm like, hey man, I just did the tape. He's like, Yeah, I just saw it. Good, good work, man. Um I've seen a lot of good actors on these tapes because he's executive producer, so he's seeing all the tapes and he's mm-hmm. doing the casting as well. And uh we meet up in Oklahoma. Uh and uh he's just, we're just talking about the books and stuff and the show, and he's like, Yeah, man, just be ready read these books and like really and he's like yeah i think you're gonna get it I'm like dude that's so awesome thank you <laughs> oh uh, yeah and uh, so he had my back from the start chris had my back from the start and uh, so i found out like just recently when we premiered like when i was talking to the execs I was like yeah they only sent us one name and it was you and we approved i was like that's so cool after all the people that auditioned like i was I'm their guy that and to have that support from those guys after all these years of failing, right? And having these nose and doors shut in your face and yeah. not taking it as serious as I should have. But I really buckled down and I did it. And it's amazing to be here now and, and be a part of this. And we got a second season and it's doing well. And the critics have a like hundred percent consensus on the show of being like, This is a good show, you should watch this. And it's just such a humbling feeling and and, and you just feel blessed to be a part of this this moment it's historic and i'm just glad to be a part of it yeah mate. well dude it's it's well deserved i, I watched mm-hmm. the show i think yeah we just had the finale a couple days ago so like i watched yeah. the show because I, I i will say like just backtracking really quick like i wanted to get you on this show because your journey itself has inspired me man like i've been at this for 10 years did my Jeez. first big movie like five years ago and then it was no just way. like nothing for years yeah, dude. so like i did peaks and valleys dude. yeah yeah like I, I did wind river and then i get nothing i do an episode of walker i get nothing i get pinned for a show nothing i auditioned for dark winds last year 
for Bitsui's role. Oh, and no way. Yeah, yeah. And he, like, totally understand why he got, like, look at his performance, man. That dude is amazing. Yeah, man. But Where are you from? Dude, I'm based in Denver right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So I've lived here most of my life. And, uh, you know, like, like you, man, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm half, <laughs> half native, still trying to figure out which tribe though, because we can't seem oh, really? to lock that down. Really? Yeah. So like, as this is blowing up, man, I, I would look at all these native actors who are working. Like I, Martin Sensmeyer taught me everything I needed yeah. to know on wind river. Really? And like, Oh yeah. Do you work with him? Are you in that yeah. house scene? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was amazing. And then Graham just completely humble, gives you everything he's got. Graham Green, man. He's amazing. Right. Yeah. So like when I, I reached out to your reps, I'm like, please come on this show, man. Cause I want to hear like what you've been doing. You, you hit like the star so quick, man. It's like, how do you keep that flame going? And brother, you're, you're killing it. It's a mental, mental battle, man. Oh, thank you it's the it's the toughest thing ever so uh yeah i just i wanted to 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 brush your ego a little bit while we're talking and just say like thank you for continuing to go man because the rest of us we are still like pushing ahead same as you like we're not alone in this whole journey it's insane but when stuff does hit boy does it feel good like that is a beautiful feeling so now you're yeah man you you went from you know not really knowing where this is going to go to Dude, you're you're leading a series that was, you know, it, it is critically acclaimed, and you said it is authorized yeah. for season two, right? You're, you guys, yeah, green- we're we're greenlit, bro. This fall, uh, nice. we'll be shooting for like five months or something like that. Oh, uh, dude, but it's a quick, awesome. quick turnaround because like they're just now getting the writers room together for it to like <laughs> pump out six more scripts in in like a month, like that's or a month and a half, and it's just that's a lot to do to put on a writer's shoulders to be like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but it's yeah. good. I mean, we are all the heavy lifting is basically done with, with Hillerman's books. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Still. So, yeah. We have that well to go to and it's, it's amazing. But I mean, also because we kind of amalgamated a lot of the, the content from the books and also some of the characters that don't interact or show up way later in the series. Yeah. So it's it's kind of kind of make you have to make up a lot of stuff as well. It's gonna be exciting, man. And mm-hmm. like I <laughs> I just realized like I got <clears throat> like five minutes left for what I what I was giving you. I don't want to take up too much of your time, man, because I, oh, I know you got a lot of shit to do. Dude, oh no? it's all good. <laughs> like I don't know what he's up to. I'm not gonna take too much of his time, but like I I always ask like my guests if they have a party story that they could share. I think you just won the party story within the first 20 minutes. So we're going to skip that question. Cause you, there yeah, you go. we did it. Yeah. We, we buried it in the desert, man. No one's going to find oh, that story. Oh my good, God. Good, uh, good. But the, you know, one of the final ones I always ask, it's a really important one. It's uh, what sort of advice you have for artists who are either starting out right now or, you know, like yourself have just been trying to build a career. Do you have anything you could pass on to the listeners? Well, first, you got to find out that it's, you know, very deep inside your soul and you really want it and you have the burning desire to, to pursue a passion and you got to really believe in it and believe in yourself and believe in your ability and just really take that and, and ride that. You have to. You have to focus. You have to really focus and put in the work. And I learned that the hard way, you know, yeah. you got to be dedicated. You got to put in the work. You got to be passionate. You can't just 
be like, oh, I want this because so-and-so is doing it, you know? I mean, that's great. You get the inspiration. Um, and it's not about, you know, being famous or anything. It's about doing it for the love of it. And you've got to find that in your soul. You want to have that, that want to have that connection to yourself and to the rest of the world, right? You want to, if you want to be an actor or whatever, you want to tell these stories and tell your truth and, and lift up your own voice and, and be seen for once, you know, for all those people who are misfit or an outcast like I was, like it's, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, man. And it's, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of rejection, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, but you can do it if, if you really want it. You have to want it. You have to want it. And you, you just, just make sure you take care of yourself and, um, you know, don't give in to the, the people whispering in your ear that are just trying to like lead your way, like lead your own way, man. Like people try to tell me all the time how to live my life and how to go about doing this. And it's like, dude, there's no wrong way to do it. You do it. I'm, I'm going to change that for me and for everybody else that comes before, like after me, because everybody before me did that. You got to blaze that trail. Um, I know there's a lot of, a lot of like trails that have already been done and just, there's so many few paths to take now but on your own but you you can find it you can find that carve it out um you know it's like a, a little piece of clay and you got to model it and you know just really make uh bold and smart moves um really just try to try to stay in a in a good good way you know just don't live outside of your means you know don't don't get too into all the i don't know the, the drama the glitz and glamour that you see it's like that's not what it is you know it's about the work it's about what you want to do um so yeah just focus on that i don't know i'm really not the best at giving advice but you know just stay true stay true to yourself for real because that's really where it all comes down to is like, you know, I tried to like come up with all, all these different ways to, to be and how to be and who I was supposed to be or who I thought I was supposed to be. And it's like, no, man, you know who you are. Just be that, be that person, you know? And it takes a long time. Like you, I was so reserved and in my shell for the longest time. Cause I didn't know how, cause like how I was perceived in like high school, like everybody, you know, just kind of shied away from me and didn't want to be, talking to me you know because i was like kind of fish out of a water out of water living in like this mormon town in mesa and i was like i didn't really fit in there um and i was really weird and i'm like really adhd right i'm like running around screaming in the halls i only had like two friends um but yeah so just you know do that man i know it's scary it's a scary road um but you know it takes courage and um yeah, I uh, I go through a lot to get here, and it's not easy. It doesn't all come up when I it may look like it, but it doesn't. You know, yeah. I mean, I got lucky with my first big break. You know, the first audition I ever did. That's that doesn't happen for everybody, but it could. Yeah. So, you know, stay ready. Be prepared. Be prepared. Prepared. You know, you got to prepare. Um whether whatever that means to you like what what would be prepared in your eyes you know whether if you want to have like a 
a chiseled bod go to the gym you know like i take my own advice there like i don't go to the gym enough you know i'm trying to i'm trying to get a little swole but you know do that if you want to eat healthy healthier i mean that's super hard for me like i'm the worst like really i'd rather just go to in and out and just like have a burger you know it's like easy easy food but because i just don't have the the patience or the time to really cater to myself and like really take care of myself in that way sometimes and it's hard and it's like any young people out there like start it now because it's hard to break these these bad habits you get into when you get older and stretch make sure you stretch because you get you get tighter and tighter the older you get stay Stay loose stay ready man be prepared so it is put in the work (laughs) be humble be nice be grateful be kind to everyone be a little more kind you know be the golden rule man treat everybody how you want to be treated if you want to be a, a snake nah dude i don't i don't i don't mess with you <laughs> so, yeah that's it i know i don't know hey man for someone who says you know you're you're not great at bestowing wisdom there were like fifty thousand golden nuggets in that man <laughs> that was that was absolutely perfect and uh yeah, I think the golden rule is the best rule to live by, especially right now. You know, yeah, Hollywood's not tolerating uh, dicks anymore. So. Ah, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> oh my god, because everybody's like always making these jokes. You're like, oh, you got to do this to get these roles. I'm like, nah, I never would have compromised myself in that way. No. I mean, I get a lot of you know advances and offers to do that, and it's like, no, bye. <laughs> never talk to that person again. I don't care who they are. Like that's <laughs> no nah, i don't mess around like that dude. No, dude. Like, no no and look where that's look where that attitude is has brought you man exactly see you don't of... have to take the shortcuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it, it would have been easy but uh well here i'll i'll been... ask an, an easier one after that one uh i give shout outs and promotions in each episode in the show notes outside of dark ones because obviously we're going to promote that is there anything else that you want to promote, man? Like it could be oh, something you enjoy, charity, organization, yeah. just like anything, man. I mean, there was, sorry, I have to mention uh, this movie I did before the pandemic. It, okay. I was in Boulder, Colorado. It's called what? Quantum Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. I was doing it. It's, he's at the director, writer, producer is actually a professor there at, uh, at Boulder. Um, and um, he like reached out to me and like offered me this lead in this role is called cowboy on a zebra at first and then it like changed to like boarding house reach and now it's called quantum cowboys and it just premiered over and um at the annecy festival animation festival in uh in um paris or not paris somewhere in france <laughs> so they went there i think they won like an audience award or something for a bunch of things and then moving to like the Champs-Élysées festival there I wish I could have gone but I was promoting Dark Winds premieres at the time and then they went to, to Munich I think and so they were just doing great in these festivals and then yeah so it's this great script but it's just like this you know like this metaphysical like time traveling um western multiverse type movie it's just crazy and there's like all these different animation styles used in it so each universe basically each timeline is basically a different animation and also there's live action we shot it all on the green screen in this big giant barn and it was middle of october like be snowing all the time so they had to like erase all that out of it in the post because we're supposed to be in tucson arizona 
<laughs> um, so like, yeah, to make it look all deserty and everything. So it's all just hand drawn, painted, all that stuff too, and like rotoscoped, all these different styles, like stop motion, cutouts. Um, so that was just wild doing that with uh, my boy John Way, this new up and coming dude, um, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, she's she's great. She's awesome in it. So it's like we're just like this trio going around looking for some meaning in life you know and uh and then david arquette's in it and this other dude frank mosley and, and grant uh, sorry um uh what's his name <laughs> why can't i remember this legend gary farmer sorry oh no sorry, way gary. uh gary farmer's <laughs> in it and uh jeff marslett he's the director and, uh, and he he's actually in it too he, he acts and um they're just a wonderful little eclectic cast, man. Uh, we even have like Nico Case, um, this musician, uh, Hal Gelb, uh, who helped write it and did all the music for it. He's He plays this musician in the show. And uh, it's just awesome to have like this whole group. And like, I was, this is the first time I like had to lead a movie and it was so fun. It's like one of the most fun I've had on sets. And you know, it's like being, uh, like one or two on the call sheet like you gotta really bring it to set and like have like a a good energy and like you set the tone basically so it's really fun to do that um and it's just beautiful beautiful story and so yeah i just have to give a shout out to that and also um just all these um uh, the native alliance then to um, shout out to them. Um, God, there's so many people, but I just like I can't think of names right now. Um, no, you're good, man. Like, yeah, no pressure for like a, a huge list or anything. But like, I always try to shoot for like a project and then an organization somebody really cares about or cares about, and it mm-hmm. it's always something new. It's never the same thing twice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's perfect, dude. This this whole interaction has been great, man. Like one, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh yeah, because there's like sometimes where I'm like, you know, I can't I can't pull it together and bring yeah. my my A game and be like, oh, let's have a conversation right now. Like <laughs> I don't want to be like stuck in a stupor of thought and be like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah, just thanks for uh rescheduling with me. Oh yeah, dude. Um, I'm, and I'm glad I'm, I got a chance to to chat with you. Yeah, me too, man. Hey, I'm an unemployed actor. I'm just I'm doing this for for fun. And it's just been, it's been great, man. That's I, awesome. It's, uh, and you know what, dude, it was awesome that you recognize that I have a Rocketeer poster behind me. Like that's, <laughs> no one's ever realized that. So that hits home yeah, pretty hard, so man. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, that was a huge, huge for me. I like, I want to be the Rocketeer when I grow up. Bro, dude, they're doing a reboot. You never mm-hmm. know. I know David Yellow is leading it, but Ooh, they haven't yeah, made no, it. That would have been so dope. I'd be like, damn, that would have been sick to be the Rocketeer. Seriously, it would have been awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Well, brother, I, I have I have one more thing before I stop the recording here. And you, you've seen Wayne's World, right? Oh, of course. Okay. Me? Thank God, dude. You're the first person in probably 30 interviews. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's when I had was like number little kids? No, nobody, nobody knows about it. Or if they do, they go, yeah. But oh, you can tell they haven't seen it. So remember they do the... <laughs> they've had the blue screen behind Wayne and Garth and they're kind of like they're nervous and a little awkward well mm-hmm. my 
final like moment for this podcast is what we call an awkward goodbye where I do the cameraman three, two, one countdown silently. And when I point to you, give me your best verbal awkward goodbye, and then I'll stop the recording. You think you can be right. super, super awkward as awkward as yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother, let's do it. Let's do it in. Uh, I just wanted to, um, uh, I guess say bye, but not bye. Just see you later. I guess I, I don't know. Um, Bye. No. See you later. Yeah. Sorry. See you later.